Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza. In today's episode, we're going to give you a full card breakdown of Bellator 261, which is coming up this Friday evening, the 25th of June. It's a 6.30 p.m. Eastern start time and the event's taking place in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun Arena. Not a full crowd. They're going to do a limited audience or a limited crowd. Probably just going to be friends and family. Anyway, we'll give you a full card breakdown here, our best bets of the night, any prop bets we like. There is a really big underdog here that's exciting I want to talk about. Um, and the main event is exciting because it's a championship belt in the line. you got Tim Johnson and Valentin Moldovsky fighting for a vacant heavyweight title. So let's start with the prelims and work our way up. The first fight in the card is John Teixeira versus John De Jesus, the battle of the two Johns, right? So I'll try to make this pretty short and sweet. I don't want to spend too much time in the prelim fights, but I'll tell you, um, I'm on De Jesus. He is a slight dog at plus 175. And uh, here's the reason why. Watch the Sheriff fight. That was two years ago. So he's not very active. Fought two years ago. And it was against a Korean or Far Eastern fighter. And it was just a very underwhelming fight. Uh, he didn't look very exciting. He was losing the fight pretty much the entire fight in terms of just points. He wasn't hurt per se. But he was getting hit with some good shots. And he never pressed the pace. He never dug his feet in the ground and said, you know what, I can't keep backing up. It was in a ring. It wasn't an octagon. It was a big square boxing ring uh, with the ropes. And, yeah, he just didn't look very good. He loses that fight. And it was unimpressive. Um, he's lost four of his last six fights. Also not a good sign. I just think, you know, when you look at his record overall, you see he's 23-5-2, right? So you're thinking, that's a pretty good record. 23-5-2. But of those five losses, I just said, he's lost four of his last six fights. So the losses are now coming at a high rate. I see him slowing down. He is 34, but how do I say this? Some people are just different 34s, right? So as for De Jesus, I think that he's the plus 175 because of the ugly knockout. He just, I mean, he didn't just get knocked out, actually. Pico <laughs> Pico dragged his ass around the ring, um, mauled him to death, and then second round, he clocks him. I mean, he, listen, Pico did everything to him, and if you remember that fight, you know, Pico came in as, as someone that people are excited about. He's a good prospect. But De Jesus, unfortunately, never can get his footing in that fight. And Pico just came out, grabbed him, took him to the ground, really grinded him out with the, grind and pound, the ground and pound, just never gave him a chance to breathe, hit him with some hard shots. And then literally, you know, they, De Jesus makes it back up to his feet. And to share, and then, I'm sorry, to share. And then Pico just slams him with an overhand right and just, you know, Pretty much bends him backward, almost a full scorpion. It's a bad knockout. It was a bad loss. It looked ugly. So I get that's why he's a plus 175. I think he's a fighter who this could be a bounce back win, you know, because I wouldn't feel comfortable betting on Teixeira. That's what I'm going to, that's how I want to finish this, this uh, wrap up here. Minus 225. I don't see the value. See him slowing down. Maybe if it was more of a pick him, then you can argue that there's some value there. But at the minus 225, there's not a lot of value. And he very well could lose his fight. De Jesus is only 30 years old, still very, you know, I guess young in the fight game, has only fought about 20 fights total. So I think he bounced back here. I like the dog. So that's who we're taking on the first fight of the night. Let's move on here to the next fight on the card. That's going to be Taylor Johnson, 6-2, versus Lance Wright. Now, I'm going to tell you that we're on Johnson to win the fight. So I'm picking Johnson to win, but not going to be betting the fight. And here's what I can tell you real quickly about Johnson. He's minus 280 favorite on this, okay? 
That's a big favorite. That's like, you know, that's you expect him to finish the fight or win like three rounds to nothing. That's what that kind of money is, minus 280. So do I think he'll win? Yeah. But do I think he can possibly gas out, you know, just burn his tank too fast and end up getting himself in a situation where he can get submitted or possibly just get tired and end up getting caught with something? Yeah. And it's not because I'm just imagining it. When he fought Munoz, uh, not Munoz, um, excuse me, give me one second here to pull up uh, his tapology. When he lost to Andre Muniz, or Muniz, uh, when he lost to him back in 2019, you watch that fight and Taylor Johnson comes out on fire, picks him up, double leg takedowns. He's like throwing Andre around the ring. And Andre Muniz is not a bad fighter. Right now, just to give you, you know, a quick little <clears throat> update on Mr. Muniz, he's 21-4. and four. He's coming off of just beating Ronaldo Salzo, Bartos Fabinski, Antonio Arroyo, and, of course, Taylor Johnson. So he's not fighting the best of the best yet, but he's beating some decent fighters right now. He looks good. His submission game's impressive. That's what he did to Taylor Johnson. Taylor Johnson comes in, throws him around, super aggressive, but then Taylor gasses out first round, gets himself into an awkward position, ends up giving up his back, ends up getting rear naked choked. So, you know, after that fight, he goes on to beat Ed Ruth with a heel hook. That's whatever, round one. Then he loses a decision to Johnny Eblen. Johnny Eblen is a decent fighter, but he was only 6-0. and oh, So, look, just a lot of instability here with Mr. Johnson. And to be a minus 280 favorite, no, that there's something, there's something way off on that. So... Um, when you look at Lance Wright, I don't think there's a lot to write home about. So I'm not going to make this a dog or pass. This is not a dog or pass situation here. I, I think that in this situation, it is going to be tough, tough for Lance to maybe overcome the power and strength of Taylor Johnson. I'm assuming Taylor Johnson's got a decent cardio plan. I'm hoping he does because he is super powerful. His wrestling, his ground, his ground attack in terms of getting someone to the ground is amazing. Now his ground technique on the ground. That's not that's not great just yet. Maybe he's working on that. But Lance Wright, who's only five and one, he's super limited. And you want to talk about a glaring loss. He lost to Hayward Charles. And I'm just going to tell you, Hayward Charles is like a 50-50 fighter. He's like 16 and 13 career record. Not super impressive. And he lost to Hayward Charles. He got choked out. And so a lot of questions about Lance Wright. I think when you just look at these two fighters side by side, where their strong points at, where their weak points are at, you got to got to favor Johnson winning, but minus 280 is just too big. So again, we're going to choose him to win the fight, but not going to be betting the fight at all. Just don't feel safe with this one. Okay. Next fight in the card is going to be Bates versus Matthews. Okay. So Jalen Bates is coming in here only two and oh, and Cody Matthews is one and one. So, you know, you've, you've fought in like four fights here between the two guys, not a lot of experience. So I'm just going to make this real clear, real clear and sweet and clean. Bates at minus 45 is untouchable in this scenario. Again, he's only fought two fights. You just don't have a lot to go on. He is athletic. He is 24. You know, you see some things there. Um, so there's some positives, but it's only two fights. I, I would not recommend betting on any of these fighters that are like one or two fights. I mean, you just have to have another reason, a solid reason. Like maybe you know the person. Maybe you follow their amateur career. Maybe it's a friend of a friend with a tip. Maybe they train at a gym that you try. I mean, just something because minus 45 is scary. Um, again, not a dog or pass situation. I do think that at this point, Jalen Bates at 2-0 has shown some nice stuff. And maybe he's just that much 
above, a level above Cody. So with Cody Matthews, you know, his one loss was a split decision. So he could be 2-0 and as well. But again, I just think the athleticism of Jalen Bates is going to be enough to go ahead and get the edge. Minus 45, that's not, that's, that's nuts, not taking that. But going to go ahead and choose Bates to win. Not going to be betting the fight. I'm, I hate to keep taking that position. But with Bellator and PFL recently, and, you know, I, I have all my bets online. We, we place all of our bets here at MMA Fight Club online. They're available so people can track and see what we're doing. Um, and if you don't know of that website, it's a popular website for handicappers. It's betmma.tips. Um, and betmma.tips, it keeps a track record of the wages we're placing. So there's no bullshit. You know, we can't hide from the results. We're either having a winning weekend or losing weekend or winning event or losing event. But if you go to that website, betmma.tips, you can search different users. You can search different handicappers. Um, we provide that in the link in the description so you can go there and actually track our bets and see how we do. My point is on PFL and Bellator recently, it's been so volatile. It's been really hard to pin down. So I do want to get a little more conservative with the bets we're going to recommend because I, you know, you as the follower of this channel, or if you're just listening, or maybe you're just jumping by today and you know, you're driving in your car, you're just hearing it for the first time. I don't ever want to give advice that I don't feel like it's a hundred percent sound. Obviously nothing we give here is a, thousand percent you know bulletproof from you know not having some mistake in our prediction or something going crazy it is mma fights can go either anyway at any point but here's here's what i'm trying to get to i want to just be more i want to give you more quality advice on the bets that we're going to place and i just want to have a higher percentage of winners when you look at some of these fights in the pfl and bellator and this one is a good example you have four total fights combined you know, you really can't responsibly bet on these scenarios. This is just guessing now at this point. And that's not what I want to do when I'm giving betting advice. So let's move on here to the next bout on the card. And speaking of guessing, we've got an interesting little setup here between Isaiah Hokett and Corey Samuels. Now, when I first saw the line, okay, Hokett is minus 800 and Samuels is plus 500. I kind of had to take a double take. I'm like, that's, that's huge. And then I looked at the the fighters a little more carefully and yeah you're probably seeing the same thing i'm seeing isaiah hokett is zero and zero he has never fought an mma fight he also did not have an amateur fighting career he's a college wrestler who's now transitioning into mma Corey samuels on the other hand has fought four total fights that's four more fights than isaiah holt has isaiah hokett i'm sorry has ever fought in an mma fight so clearly the experience advantage goes to Corey samuels now i get the Corey samuels is two and two I talked about that a lot. I don't like fighters that are like middling two and two, four and four, five and five at the start of their career. I think that's that that's a sign they're not going to be great. It's a sign they're not going to be very special. Um, I think the more the recipe for quality fighters tends to be they go four, five and zero, oh, six and zero, oh, seven and one, eight and one. You know they're they're winning high quality. They're winning at a high rate in the beginning of their career because they're quality fighters and they're fighting lower level opponents. So anyway, Corey Samuels was two and two, but <laughs> Hogan. He's a college wrestler. I did some research on his background. He went to Drexel University in Philadelphia, which is not too far from my location. Went there for a year, transferred then to Fresno State. It wasn't a transfer because of anything bad happening, no academic issues. It was because he's from California and Fresno State was bringing back their wrestling program. So he goes back to Fresno State, close to home. He was a state finalist in the championships in, in high school in wrestling in the state of California. His brother joined him at Fresno State, his brother was a really good football player and a wrestler. 
So much so that he parlayed that into a contract with the San Francisco 49ers. So his brother's an NFL player with the 49ers after being a walk-on. His brother has a whole story. It's amazing, too. Anyway, he's got an athletic family, pretty good wrestler in college. So what do you look at here? You don't have any MMA record to look at. I looked at his wrestling record, and you know what I saw? I saw that he was pretty much a 65% um, winning percentage wrestler. And what does that mean? That means he lost a lot of wrestling matches. And if you know the elite level wrestlers in terms of college wrestling, these guys have records that are just incredible. You have to like really rub your eyes. There'll be like 200 wins and like five losses. Like the top guys just don't lose. And unfortunately for Isaiah Hokett, he has a lot of losses. And he also is not a former high school state champion. So, you know, we see guys in the UFC, Bellator, whatever else, who are former wrestlers and they have high accolades. Um, you know, a guy like Kamar Usman, who's a national champion, Division Two, but still national champion. Isaiah Hokett was never in that category as a wrestler. And I bring this up because he's a minus 800. Is that because he's a really amazing, like he was some kind of gold medal wrestler and then he's going to come to UFC and he's all hyped up or he's some kind of like, I don't know, Penn State national champion three years in a row. Like, no, he's he's average wrestler. So this is a crazy situation here with the minus 800. This is the dog I want to talk about. I'm all over Samuels. I'm going to put... I'm going to put a full unit for sure, if not even two units here on Samuels. I think the plus 500 is just way off. And just because of that alone, I'm, I'm going to be all over this dog. I think it's it's a great opportunity if you want to have some fun here in the prelims. Now, if you don't like it and this is just too rich for your liking, you know, put a quarter unit or don't do anything. But there's no reason to bet on Hockett. I mean, you could all agree at minus 800, there's no value here at all. It's a trap. He's never fought an MMA fight. You're just safe getting Samuels at the plus, Samuels at plus five hundred. I think DraftKings right now and FanDuel both have it around seven fifty. Anyway, it's a real weird one. We're on Samuels. Let's go ahead here and move on to. Um, by the way, it's our second dog here. The prelims that we like, we like Samuels, and then we also like uh, De Jesus. All right, let's move on to the last fight of the prelims, and that's going to be Soren Bach fighting Bobby Lee. I hate to tell you we're not betting this fight, not placing a wager in this fight for a few reasons. The biggest one being that this fight is very close, I think, in some areas. I think to the point where you could rationalize that Lee could be a slight favorite. <clears throat> Lee has fought the better quality of competition. He has various ways of beating people. He's, you know, knocked people out with flying knees. He's submitted some people. So he knows how to finish an opponent. Bach has a nice record. He's 14-1, and one and he's 5-0 and oh in the last five fights, so it looks really good. He's young, 28, got the blonde hair. You know, he's, he's got, you know, he's got a lot of good things going for, for him. And, I you know, I don't want to start poking holes that aren't there. So, like, I'm not, I'm not going to give you some made-up shit about why you shouldn't back Bach. Minus 285, I think he becomes a popular parlay piece in this card. But that's where that's where it's going to be scary because I'm not sure he wins three three out of every you know I'm not sure he wins for example three to one against Lee he beats him you know three times to one I don't think he's that much better than Lee I'm not even sure he's better than Lee <laughs> let's just make this clear I think that this is kind of like a pick'em there's not a lot of film on these guys so I had to really dig to find anything I could and when I came away from that I thought you know Lee has a better 
like his, who he has fought is significantly better than who's Bach has fought. Now it's kind of in his record, right? Cause Lee is 12 and five versus Bach being 14 and one. Anyway, not going to bet the fight, but I'm going to choose Bach to win the fight. So anyway, that wraps up the prelim. Let's go ahead here and make our way into the main card. And the main card opens up with a fight that has changed. It was initially Christian Edwards versus Parrish. And then Parrish, a few hours ago before I was about to sit down and record this, I saw that he had backed up the fight. So now the new fight is going to be opening the main card, Christian Edwards versus Simone Bayong. I can't tell you I did any research here because, again, I just found out right before I was putting the video together. Um, I did like Edwards initially over Parrish. Now in this fight here, I'm on Simone Bayong. I'm not going to give you, again, a whole bunch of BS about, you know, this and that. I haven't looked into this fight carefully. Just glancing over it, Simone Bayong is pretty good. He's 7-1. and one. Um, You know, the fact that he's got double the amount of fights, you know, it does make a difference. I think Christian Edwards is a prospect here. He's 4-0. Oh, it's, you know, the American fighter's not bad. Um, I can't, you know, I can't tell you anything that I really don't like about him, but you know, Bayong is, is uh he's a pretty good prospect too. And seven and one with his lone loss coming against um Ernesto Papa, and that was back in 2018. He got choked out, it was the first round. So, you know, since then he's won four straight fights. He did beat um, you know, okay fighters. That you know, neither one of these guys has fought anyone that's super duper credible. So anyway, long story short, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that I I'm gonna pick Simone to win, but um Definitely not bad in the fight. No way. You know, this is coming together last minute. There's a lot of variables. I haven't looked as to whether who was preparing for a camp or who wasn't. So sorry, I can't give you more information, but I would just suggest to, to you right this very moment, if you're going to bet this fight, let's see how the rest of the week rolls out. <clears throat> you know, do some of your own research, you know, see what you could find. Um, but I would imagine by young would probably be the slight favorite when the numbers do come out. Cause right now, when you go around and look, there's no numbers. Matter of fact, on bestfightodds.com, which usually has numbers before anyone else, um, when you go there and look it up, it still says Ben Parrish versus Christian Edwards, but that's not true because, or I shouldn't say true, that's not accurate because you go to Tapology and it says Christian Edwards right now um, versus Simone Bayong, and then they have the notes in the bottom there of the uh, event. It tells you that uh, Parrish withdrew from his fight. So anyway, next fight here on the main card is going to be Miles Jury versus Sydney Outlaw. This one wasn't easy. You know, I went back and forth, and I unfortunately have to tell you, I landed on not wanting to wager in this fight, not getting a really, really clear read. I do agree with the line, though. Um, jury's like plus 110, Outlaw's minus 145. So it's in essence a pick 'em. And that makes sense. You know, Outlaw got, man, he got, <laughs> he was fighting Michael Chandler back in 2019, and, you know, Michael Chandler's been on a run, and this was one of the guys that Michael Chandler ran through. They come out there, they're boxing, and from the beginning, I knew the result because I could see the result as I'm pulling up the fight. You know, I had notes saying that Chandler won by a knockout, by a TKO. So I knew it was going to happen. I knew it was in the first round, but I didn't really remember who Outlaw was and how he fought. So Outlaw comes out there and just leaves his chin open for the entire time. Like every time he's throwing punches, his chin is out. Chandler just misses, like, killing him a few times. And then at some time, at one point in the first round, Chandler just cracks him, hits him. And it wasn't the hardest punch. Like, Chandler's definitely hit people cleaner and harder. He kind of hit him, like, on the side of the head, like, around the ear. 
He didn't get a full fist. He kind of like a part of a fist, like roll off, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, Outlaw dropped. <laughs> and uh, then Chandler came over and like almost smacked him on the side of the face. It was an ugly looking loss. And so, yeah, so Outlaw's 4-1 in his last five fights, 15-4 and four overall. I got the impression that he was a bit slow and his reaction time especially. So, like, he's the kind of guy where, like, he gets jabbed and then he'll throw his punch after the jab and be, like, off balance. Like, it's very much, like, in his wheelhouse. Jury, on the other hand, doesn't have any power behind his strikes and all he does is punch for points. He does have some power in his leg kick and his leg kick game, especially his front kick, is, like, a very karate-style kick. He could throw that to the stomach or chest or to the face of his opponent. It's decent. Um, I like Jury to win the fight. I think he he's going to pull out the victory. I'm not comfortable enough to bet it, though. Um, at plus 110, he is a technically a dog, so it's a third dog that we do like here in the card. But, um, you know, I think, again, you're – you're you're playing with fire here if you're going to bet serious money. Um, for me, a unit is $100, right? That's the unit that we use. Um, I know people who have a unit of $20. You know, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you you can have a unit of a dollar. Like, it doesn't really matter. What does matter is, like, taking care of your bankroll and seeing your bankroll grow and not taking unwarranted, complete shot in the dark, you're just throwing like your money out there and hoping that you, you're on the right side. Because let's be honest here. Back to what we talked about a few times throughout this this show. PFL and Bellator, they're serving us up a lot of volatility. It's not good for sure. You know, you're not really confident in what you're putting your money on. Now, if you just want to entertain yourself and enjoy the fights and you're just dipping and dabbing, that's fine. If you're trying to make this more of a consistent, I, you want to be a long-term winner in what you're doing, and you want to see results that are going to be like, hey, you're starting with whatever money. Let's say you're starting with $500 in the month of July, and you know you have a goal that you want to be at $1,000 by September. You know, And so you have that two, three months. How do you do it? There's a lot of conservative things you could do to make sure you get to your goal. This wouldn't be one of them. <laughs> okay, betting on either fighter here, and look, I'm welcome to people coming back to this video after the fight, post in the comment section and say, hey, I told you so. I knew Outlaw was going to do whatever. Hey, man, if you're if you're that good, I, I wish you the best. You should go to, <laughs> what they say, you should go to Vegas, right? Hit the tables because if you got the touch, man, and you know these kind of fights and the outcome, more power to you. I think here a jury wins the fight, but it's probably because of the points and the tapping. He's got like this Caitlin Chukagan type of style. He's busy and Outlaw's slow, so... That's where we're at. Jury to win the fight. Uh, let's go ahead here and move on up the uh, main card to Daniel Weichel versus Keani Diggs. This fight here is a fight that I do like a lot, and I do have a solid pick. I'm on Diggs. 34-year-old Diggs. He should have got started earlier because he's only 9-0 in his career. He's got the O still, but he's only fought nine fights, and he's 34 years old. Now, Weichel, on the other hand, has been fighting since Nam. He's got 52 total fights under his belt. He's 40 and 12. So the veteran fighter, only two years older, 36 years old versus 34-year-old Diggs. A lot of experience, um, but recently there's some slipping there. I think he's slowing down. He's taking some punishment. Um, and specifically, one of his recent fights when he fought Emmanuel Sanchez, it was his last fight, okay? He took some punishment. It was a five-round fight. He was wearing the damage on his face. 
third, fourth, fifth round. A lot of backing up, a lot of on his heels. Got dominated in the scorecards, got dominated in the actual fight. Um, and that marked his third loss <clears throat> in his last four fights. So, you know, he clearly right now, I mean, he lost to Patricio Pitbull. He lost to Yama Yamauchi. He lost to Emmanuel Sanchez, you know. So he sneaked in a win against Paul Saul, Saul Rogers in there. But the point is you see the downward trend here um, with Weichel, 40 and 12. A lot of fights, you know. And, again, those 12 losses, it's not a lot. But consider three of them just happened recently. So I think the writing's on the wall for Weichel. He's slowing down. <clears throat> he took an ass kicking from Emmanuel Sanchez. Diggs is not going to do that to him the same way because Diggs is more of a wrestler, grappler. But he'll look to grab him. Diggs is fast. He's athletic. Only knock on on Diggs that I could tell you, and it's obvious, is experience, right? He's not a no, so he just hasn't really been in there with anything that's notable. When you look at all of his wins, there's nothing there that pops out to you. Every single win that he has is just pretty much okay fighters. Now, what is nice in his last two fights, Derek Campos and Scotty Howe, he did finish those fights, and he finished them by submission. So his path to victory here is going to be grind them, get on top, positional points, positional control, maybe look for a submission. Um, I have no reason to believe that Weichel is going to have a cardio problem on a three-round only fight because he's been in five-round fights, but who knows? He's getting older. But anyway, I like Diggs a lot at minus 160. He's my favorite pick so far on this card of the night. Going to be definitely putting at least two units on Diggs, and I'll also be parlaying Diggs with some other fights. So like him a lot. I think he goes to 10-0 after this fight. All right, let's move on to the co-main event of the night. And this fight here is also a fight I like a lot. I'm on Liz Carmucci over Kana Watanabe. I think Liz Carmucci is a much better fighter um, in this particular fight. Now, she's 37, so some people will see the 37 and say, oh, she's getting older. She hasn't shown any signs in her last few fights of, of, of like major age you know, difference from when she was, let's say, 32, 33, or 31. Like she's still very much in her proverbial prime. She has fought a lot of good fighters. I mean, if you just go running through the list of fighters that she's been in the ring with, the Misha Tates, the Ronda Rouseys, the Jessica Andrages, the Alexa Davises, Jennifer Maya. Heck, she went in 2019 full fight, full distance against Valentina Shevchenko. I mean, that is an accomplishment. Valentina is destroying people right now. So she just came off of a win versus Vanessa Porto, which was back in April. April, she uh, got a victory, which is by decision. I think Vanessa Porto would beat Watanabe. And, you know, Liz easily beat Vanessa Porto. So, look, Liz Carmouche, she's definitely getting at the tail end of her career. Probably has two or three years left at most. But she is a way class, a whole different class above Watanabe. As for Watanabe, how does she get to 10-0? and 0, Right, She's 10-0-1. She's a wrestler. She's a grabber. Positional points. Um... She squeaked out a win in her last fight. I mean, pretty much it, she could have gone either way. You know, split decision win, and it was over Alejandra Lara. I like me some Alejandra Lara. She wears those Venom shorts really well, but, um, man, she's got some holes in her game. She can't wrestle at all. If you get Alejandra Lara down on the mat, she's not getting up. So that worked out really well for, you know, Watanabe, who that's all she can do. She can't really strike. She's, she wrestling's her only dependent. So... 
Liz Carmouche has seen all that. She's been in there with wrestlers. She knows how to deal with that. She's got good takedown defense. She's going to probably even take down Watanabe. So, look, Watanabe comes in here 10-0-1. and She's going to take her first L. Liz is just a class above. Like her at minus 245. I think that's fair. I think it's accurate. Could be even higher, and I, I would actually be okay with it too. I'm going to put one to two units on Liz Carmouche and definitely parlay her. So that's where we're at. Those are our two favorite picks, though, of the night. Diggs over Weichel and Carmouche um, over Watanabe. That turns us over to the main event of the night. And as we said in the intro, that's a, that's going to be a fight for the belt. There's a vacant championship belt there, the heavyweight title for Bellator. So Tim Johnson's coming in here to go for the belt versus Valentin Moldovsky. Now, at first glance, the biggest differences you're going to see here are <clears throat> the American, Tim Johnson, he's 36 years old. So he's seven years older uh, than the uh, the Russian, Valentin Moldovsky. So that's a pretty big difference. You know, you'll hear people say that Headweight division, you know, the guys can fight a little bit, you know, older, they go into the late 30s, early 40s. True, true. There's a lot of evidence to support that. But <clears throat> 36 is still 36, and 29 is still 29. And you're never going to meet a 36-year-old grown-ass man to tell you that he feels genuinely better, more spry, recovers quicker, or any of the shit you're going to tell me that you would feel versus 29. And as a 40-something-year-old man, I'm going to tell you, Lived through those periods of time in my life. Now, did I feel good in my 30s at times? Like, especially when I was running a lot and doing marathons, and I was like, yeah, you know, I feel great. But no, like, now take a look at the way Johnson is built. And I'm not body shaming. I'm just calling a spade a spade here, okay? He's He looks very out of shape. He's a heavyweight that barely makes weight. You know, he's like a 260-pounder. He's barely making weight. He's got a lot of stuff going on in the midsection. Um, he's six foot three. So, you know, he's not a super short fighter. He's not like some of the other heavyweights we've seen recently, but he is not in great shape. I, I question his cardio. I question his commitment to getting better, um, from, from a health standpoint and being in better shape. It just, he wears it. I'm sorry. I, I know the way to say it. Now he's a plus two, plus two twenty five dog. I think that Moldovsky at minus 285 is a really good value too. I'm going to definitely bet Moldovsky straight up to win the fight. Don't like him as much as I like Liz Carmouche or Diggs, and so I won't be parlaying Moldovsky at all. But uh, coming in here 10-1, 5-0 in his last five fights, got some momentum. I'll talk more about him in a second. Let me just finish talking about Johnson. So with Johnson, you know, he's 15-6, and 3-2 and two in his last five fights, doesn't have any significant wins in, in his uh you know, in his portfolio either. But again, issues with cardio, not in the greatest of shape, getting older. So some red flags there. Now, Moldovsky, let me tell you about his red flags right away. He tends to fight down to the quality of the competition. So he has a 10 and one record, but like he's had some close fights, some close decisions in there with guys that he should be a lot better than. But he has a way of fighting that is not super exciting. He's not going to drop somebody with a punch or with an elbow or a spinning kick or doesn't have any of that stuff in his wheelhouse. What he does have is nice, good body locks. He's going to drag your ass to the ground. When he gets you against the cage, he's got good Muay Thai trips. So, you know, I saw one or two fights where he just did it technically. He would grab a guy, go against the cage, body lock him, and then weigh on the dude, right? So he, he's being a body lock, and now he's weighing on the guy. The guy's legs are getting tired. He would do this for a minute or two, and you're thinking, oh, man, he's struggling to get the takedown. No, he transitions that into a little leg sweep takes the guy down, 
I see him doing exactly that against Johnson. I think they fight a little bit at distance. Johnson probably gives his gives you the best version of him the first half of the first round. After the first half of the first round, I think Johnson is just now sucking wind for two and a half. I'm sorry. It's going to be a five-round fight, right? It should be a five-round bout. Um, I'm just trying to double-check here. It doesn't really say here. But it should be a five-round fight if it's a heavyweight main event fight. So, yeah, how does Johnson survive that? I think after the first half of the first round, he just be, he just goes through the cardio struggle. Whereas Valentin, younger fighter, hasn't shown any cardio issues in his fight. Just a little lack of intelligence and maybe just a little lack of the, of the that killer instinct to end the fight. But this may be the perfect setup for him, right? So, yeah, I like Moldovsky to win. I think he goes ahead and moves to 11-1. and one. He gets the belt. Um... I, I hate saying this, but I do have to say that sometimes, you know, I'm going to give you a parallel. I'm going to give you an example for why I'm going to say this. When the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl this past year and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs, I remember vividly hearing, like, several athletes go on ESPN or talk shows and they ask, like, certain athletes, former athletes or current athletes, who do you think is going to win a Super Bowl? A lot of the athletes would say, Things like, well, you know, it's just hard to bet against Brady or, you know, the storyline is just set for Brady to win. And, man, I remember as soon as the, the game's over and, you know, I had money on Kansas City, so I did not win. And I was kicking myself in the ass afterwards. Like, how do you bet against Brady? What was I thinking? And I was on that Mahomes train. I was on that Mahomes fever, like a lot of people. But the point is, um, you know, Sometimes a storyline is set in motion and you got to see the storyline and and respect it. Do you think that Bellator is going to want a 36-year-old overweight looking um aging American fighter who's got a 15 and 6 record who would be 16 and 6 after this if he were to win? Do you think that they want that guy with the belt or do you think they would rather have Valentin Moldovsky, who is built very, very well. So he's a heavyweight who wears all his weight nice. He doesn't have any <clears throat> midsection overweight stuff going on. Okay, so physically better, aesthetically looking. He would be going to 11-1. That would be his record after this win. Okay, he is from Russia. You know, all these little elegant standpoints. Now, he doesn't look like Khabib, but he's got some wrestling component, components. I could hear the announcers saying during the fight, like, Oh, you know, he's got like a Khabib Nurmagomedov type of like, look, I don't want to say these fights are set up, but sometimes things are just right set in motion. So I think this is a clear opportunity here for Valentin Moldovsky win the fight. They put the belt on him. Everyone's a winner. Um, long term, probably going to fade Moldovsky. I see a lot of holes in his game. And unless he starts picking up the ability to, fit, to finish fighters um, and shows a different gear, there's some stuff there in the long term that I, I would definitely be you know, cautious of. So anyway, that's the full card in terms of our picks. Let me just run through uh, our picks prelims all the way up to the main card just to give you who we think is going to win or lose. And then we'll wrap things up here. So, all right. First fight of the night, Teixeira versus De Jesus. We're choosing De Jesus as a dogger pass. Second fight is Johnson versus Wright. We're on Johnson to win, but we're not going to be betting that fight. Third fight of the night is Bates versus Matthews. We're going with Bates, but again, we're not betting that fight. 
Hook it versus Samuels. That's the fight where you got Samuels at plus 500, a huge dog here. And we're actually going to be going with Samuels um, as a dog or pass. But we really like Samuels a lot there. Hook it has never fought a fight in MMA. So the minus 800 is just, it's weird. That might change a lot. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now, if you can get that number around plus 500, I would try to get it as soon as possible. Because like I see it's going to be shifting by the time the actual fights happen. So last fight, the prelims. We're choosing Bach to beat Lee, but not betting that fight either. Uh, Edwards to beat, uh, I'm sorry, Bayong to beat Edwards, but we are not going to be betting on that fight. Um, there's no numbers out on that fight yet. It's a last-minute change because Edwards was supposed to, supposed to fight Parrish, and now it's booked as Edwards going against Bayong. So I guess Parrish had to back out the fight. Not sure what happened, injury. Um, next fight, we're going to go with Jury over Outlaw, but again, not placing a wager on that fight. Our first favorite pick of the night, Diggs. We like Diggs a lot over Weichel. Our second favorite pick of the night, Carmouche. We like Carmouche a lot over Watanabe. And then the main card, uh, main event, we like Moldovsky, the minus 285 favorite beating Johnson. So <clears throat> there's your full card breakdown for Bellator 261, which is coming up this Friday. It is a busy week. If you are an MMA uh, D-Gen like myself, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I have friends who watch like the UFC events, like the main ones, you know, when there's like a big one, like the, you know, Vittori versus Adesanya. And then there's people like me and you <laughs> who we watch like every Vegas event, you know, we try to squeeze in some PFL, we try to squeeze in some Bellator. So yeah, full on D-Gen here. Um, love me some MMA, love me some, you know, mixed martial arts and combat sports, but this week in particular is going to be just great. I mean, you've got uh, PFL, you've got Bellator, you've got Cage Warriors, you've got UFC. So a lot of good stuff. Now, Friday night, I don't know why uh, PFL moved it to Friday. I was, I think the initial schedule this week was going to have PFL on Thursday, and I think they moved it for some reason. So maybe there was an event issue, whatever. But that means PFL and Bellator will both be on Friday night. So that's unfortunate because they'll be competing against each other. I'll have to have multiple... TVs on or monitors to try to watch both fights and try to, you know, get a glimpse of what's going on. But a lot of good stuff this weekend. Um, the UFC card's going to be, you know, okay. No belts in the line, but it'll be packed with a bunch of, you know, new people. Some people uh, trying to prove themselves. Some people trying to move on and get a championship opportunity in the near future. So um, I do want to say one more thing before I close the show. You know, I recall I was looking at my, some of my, some of my, uh, whatever bookies and different, uh, you know, websites I use, FanDuel or DraftKings. And I remember about a year ago, and if you remember this, you will you will exactly know what I'm talking about. There was like very little to no, no sporting events. And, you know, there was like no basketballs, no baseball, like no nothing. And you're just, you would go up there and look at DraftKings or FanDuel and try to find any sporting activities. I'd be looking at like table tennis in Moscow, um, Chinese basketball, um, Australian football, um, cricket, soccer in Europe. I mean, I <laughs> to get my gambling fix, I was out there gambling on some of the wildest shit you can imagine. But yeah, man, we've come a long way in a year, year and a half or so. Um, we went from a time when, like, I was going out with my kids to the park just to go out and toss the ball and do whatever, and like, no one would be outside, and everyone was terrified. We were scared. We were in a pandemic, and. And I just want to say, if you're listening to this and, and you were you were impacted by COVID, 
if it touched somebody close to you or someone that you know or you cared about, you know, I really feel uh, I feel for you. My prayers go out to you and anyone that was affected by it. I personally was not, and I'm thankful for it. Knock on wood. I've got two kids, a wife. My mother was very ill during that time. She was actually in a um, a rehab center for for like a, a knee injury, and she had fluid in her brain. Long story short, she was in there for three weeks during this period of time last year, and I couldn't even go and physically see her. I had to look at her through a window and talk with her on the phone. And so for me personally, a lot was going on that affected my personal life in terms of what, how COVID was impacting the world. But thankfully, my father, my mother, no one, you know, got sick or anything like of that nature. My kids, my wife. So, but wow, you know, the, the sporting world is like a reflection of our world and our society. And sports got to a point where even sports slowed down, came to a complete halt. The Olympics, as as we all know, was pushed back a year. I mean, it just changed everything. And I, I want to say, if you remember that time, Let's remember these times now when times are good and let's celebrate the good times. Let's celebrate the times when we could have four damn promotions in one week offering us MMA just all over the place. And when we have NBA basketball playoffs and you've got the hockey playoffs right now and <clears throat> you've got uh, Major League Baseball in full swing, you know, so we've got so much going on, a lot of reasons to be blessed. And uh, anyway, thank you for tuning in. I hope this episode of... Uh, of Bellator 261's prediction could help you get some winning tickets. Um, we were a little more conservative this week than usual. And again, that's because I want to give you sound advice. I don't want you to, to trail us or, you know, track what we're doing here and look back at your tickets and see too many L's. I want to see dubs all across. I want to see winners for everybody here. So I will be a lot more conservative with the PFL and Bellator moving forward, at least until I get a better hold. I just feel like there's a lot of volatility there. Um, I do like the dogs, though. That's one of the fun things about Bellator and PFL. There's a lot of live dogs. So anyway, I didn't say it before, but I should have. Please slam the like and the subscribe button. If you, if you like our content, if you want to see more videos uh, from us, please like this video, subscribe. Um, we have several shows a week we're doing. We do a prediction show for PFL, for Bellator, and for UFC. And we're doing recap shows now for all three of those events. The best way you can help us is not by giving us money. We don't have a PayPal account. We don't have a Patreon account. We're not going to be doing that. We want to get to 1,000 subscribers because once I get to 1,000 subscribers here at MMA Fight Club, then we can actually go live. And I would love to do a few live shows a week, especially like those post-event post live shows where we can get on, have Q&A. People could come on here, talk. We can go back and forth and you know, have a live post game show or do another live show throughout the week where we're doing a prediction show live. I'm all for that, but I'm limited until I get to 1000 subscribers. I cannot go live. So help me get to that point by helping me get there. will will help me be able to make more content. So, um, do your part, hit the like button, subscribe, please comment too. Um, I, I want feedback. I want as much feedback as possible. Everything from are the breakdowns accurate? Um, how can we be better at the breakdowns? Uh, what other content should we be working on? Um, any advice? We appreciate it. If you have if you have a negative comment to leave, put that bad boy out there. We won't take it personal. It's okay. We're not going to delete your comment either, okay? Um, we're brand new at this. We want to grow our channel. We want to get more viewers. We want to get more followers. So we're depending upon you. Help us get better. Give us the advice. Help lead us the way. So thank you so much for tuning in. Again, we hope this episode's helpful for you. 
take a peek at our other episodes this week because we do have our prediction show for PFL and UFC out for this week as well. And that's about it. Thank you for tuning in. Peace, love, and best of luck this weekend, guys. Peace.